You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Last week, we, uh, we began a new series titled Back to Basics. And uh, I think there's times in life where it's important for us to look at the simple things again, at the basics. Often, the answers to challenging questions or challenging issues are not found in the complicated solutions, but actually are found in the very simple, basic things, uh, right in kind of the foundational principles. And again, last week I just mentioned about health and fitness, and sometimes we, we look to medicine to sort things that actually vegetables will do a lot for, right? We, we look to try to find some health expert that all we really need is a little exercise. Uh, sometimes it's not the complicated things, it's really just a very simple thing. The problem is when they're removed, the simple things, the day-to-day things are removed, problems actually start to occur. If you choose not to eat your fruit and veg, you start to have problems, don't you? Yes, you do, actually. If you don't believe me, you do. If you don't drink water, you, you start to have problems eventually, or very soon. If there's things that we, we need to live. And we began to look at this, this series last week, of, and we started with looking at Mary and Martha. And Martha is someone that, again, that we, I think many of us, you know, can identify. Someone who is very preoccupied with serving and very busy, busy doing different things, serving Jesus, worried about many things, judging others because they weren't doing their part, trying to do the things in her own strength, and all the time just being overwhelmed by the need of, of, of what was at hand. Again, I think we can relate with that. All the while... Missing the very heart of Jesus, which was simply just to spend time in his presence. Mary seemed to understand that actually it wasn't in the kind of the, the, the big things of serving a big meal for Jesus that Jesus was really looking for. But Jesus was looking just to spend time with Martha. Jesus was looking just to spend time with Mary. And, and, and Mary chose what was better, as Jesus has said. Mary chose to listen to his voice and just sit at his feet, which for all of us, I think, is a basic we can be so busy doing things for Jesus that we forget that actually his heart for us is not that we just are so busy doing things, but that we just know his voice, that we stop, that we listen, that we experience his presence. And so the week one, the first basic is spending time in God's presence. As we look at week two, it's, it's knowing his word. I don't know about you, but have you ever attempted to assemble flat packs furniture? <laughs> How many of you love this experience? Uh, three. Three of you do. Four of you do. Five of you. Okay. I, I personally struggle with flat pack furniture. It looks so good in the shop, doesn't it? It's all put together. It looks nice. That bookshelf uh, looks really good. Oh, I didn't realize it was going to come in a small box with lots of pieces. When we first moved to England, we... We, we bought our bedroom suite in the shop, as you do, right? You think, oh, that looks nice. Oh, that wardrobe and, you know, the uh, dresser drawers and all, all that's the kind of thing. It looks good. And then we ordered it and they were going to deliver it. And I guess I wasn't fully prepared. I was prepared for what I saw in the shop. I wasn't prepared for boxes and boxes of things that need to be assembled. I really, uh, the guy never explained that actually this was not as it was going to come. And it arrived and I'm like, that's not what we ordered. This is so small. And I pulled it apart and I realized this is going to, I mean, literally it took me days to assemble our house. Um, 
Now, obviously, there's a good reason for flat pack. You can send it easily. Um, but there's some assembly required, which is challenging. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to, to build something without following the instructions that are provided? Have you tried to do that? You get a little bit hasty. You think, oh, it's got to be simple. There's only, you know, 25 pieces. It can't, it, I don't need to look at the instructions. How many of you have actually done this? We start going through the process realizing, oh, this isn't quite going to plan. This piece does not fit as it ought to fit. And you end up digging through the box trying to find where are the instructions. How many have done that? I've done that. Yes? Okay, I'm not alone. Good. Everything can start to look good. You put the pieces together, but suddenly you've got pieces left over that you weren't supposed to have left over, and that's a problem. Mechanicing can kind of be like that as well. I don't know if you've ever tried to fix your car. I remember years ago when cars were fixable. <laughs> now I dare not even touch anything underneath the bonnet. But before when they were fixable, I remember taking things apart in my car and then putting them back together and realizing I got a few pieces left over. <laughs> Do I just wing it and hope it's okay? Or do I figure out what those pieces are really for and put them back in place? Um, yeah, I'm still alive, so obviously things have worked out. Instructions give a step-by-step -step guide to build the item the way it ought to be. It's written by the creator of that item, isn't it? Whoever manufactures that flat pack furniture puts together the, the instruction guide because they were the one who created it. They know how each piece fits into the other piece and what all the little nuts and bolts and screws and little pins and what they're all for. And so if you're wanting to use that piece of furniture for its full intended purpose and enjoy it, you need to follow the instructions, don't you? It's actually quite simple. Most would accept this kind of as being straightforward and basic. Of course you follow instructions. And in fact, most manufacturers are so clever now these days, they put the instructions on top so that you don't attempt to do it too soon. We received something, some piece of equipment in the church this week, and we opened the box, and the instructions were right on top, right, right on top, so that you don't start to assemble it without reading the instructions. Now, what did we do as men? <laughs> That was in the way. We put it to the side and we started to assemble and take it apart. And then we couldn't get it apart and we couldn't get it off the crate it was on. And, we, and then we started to look at the instructions because we realized we didn't know what we were doing after all. However, you know, you think four clever men working together, you would not need instructions. Isn't that true, guys? But we actually do. In, in, in kind of comparison, you and I, we're on this planet for this moment in history, because we have a creator who put you here. He, he, he designed you. He, he thought of all the bits and pieces that needed to be in your life and who you're going to be and the personality you're going to have and how you're going to look and the family you're going to come from. He, he, in the, before the creation of the world, he thought of you. He created you. We were in him before we were in our mother's womb. We, we, we were in him. An amazing thought, isn't it? That we were created. This world was created for you to dwell in. But God didn't just kind of leave us here on earth to kind of figure it out with all the pieces of our life and just kind of have a go at it. Kind of mess about and realize you got pieces left over in your life and you got, you're kind of falling apart. You don't quite know why. But he actually 
as any kind of creator, wise creator would, he, he actually gave us something to kind of go with. He gave us some instructions, some, a guide, a, a helpful manual that actually gives us something that's, that's life-giving. He gave us what we have is the Bible. Isn't this amazing? To guide us. And he gave us his spirit to help us. And, and actually it's a, it's a, it's a dummy's guide to life. You and I, we're dummies. We make such a mess of it on our own, don't we? And yet, somehow in this, if we understand it, if we can look at the guide and realize actually this is instructions to life. If we follow the instruction manual for, by our creator, we actually enjoy the life in which he created it to be. We don't have pieces falling off our lives. We don't have brokenness and we don't have all these kind of things that leave us shattered and, and abandoned. But actually we, we start to take on the purpose in which God intended our lives to have. Again, we can start to build our own life the way we see fit. But our lives don't look the way God sees fit. Or the way God intended us to be. And so all the while we're, we're kind of a, a square peg in a round hole trying to, to be something. Trying to create something of our lives. When all the while God said, you know, I created you to be this way. And if you actually follow the plan that I put forward, your life will be life to the full. It will be all that I envisioned it to be. And actually, when all of a sudden that penny drops and you start to follow the instructions for your life, it starts to make sense. The same way when you start to follow the instructions for the flat pack furniture, suddenly it starts to fit. Didn't realize that board needed to be the other way around. Didn't realize it was slightly different shape. Suddenly, when we start to look at actually my life in God's, God's way, they aren't do's and don'ts and a bunch of rules, but actually it's about living life the way he intended it to be lived so that we can enjoy it. What's the point of having some kind of creation of a bookshelf that doesn't hold books because it's all wonky? Sitting in the corner, not being used for its intended purposes because it doesn't work. I think you and I could be like that. We can be people that try to go about it our own way, our own strength, our own understanding, all the while not really being used for the fullness that God has for us. We have a, a passage of scripture that, Matt, uh, in, that Jesus was, was talking to, uh, to the people, to the disciples, about two foolish build, or a wise builder and a foolish builder. And just read the passage quickly before we kind of really get into the, the, the main part of the message. It says, therefore, everyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, what's he talking about? He's not talking about somewhere Jesus is telling us how to build a house. Nowhere in all the Gospels do I see a manual on how to build a house, physical house. It's not a carpentry book. He's talking about us building our lives, right? The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. It did not fall because it was founded on a rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew against, uh, beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. God's saying, you know, I've given you a plan that what you build will, will sustain whatever comes against you. But you gotta build it according to his blueprint, according to his plan. And so the passage of scripture we're really gonna look at today is in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 16 to 17. And it says this, All scripture is God breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God breathed. 
What does this mean? You know, the Bible is made up of 66 different books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, written by about 40 different people over a period of almost 1,500 years. Amazing. This book that we have was not just some person's brainchild 100 years ago. No, this work spans centuries, involved at least 40 different people writing all different kinds of literary genres. There's poetry, there's, there's prose, there's, there's story, there's history content, there's details. It's all there. And times. And yet, when we look at all these different authors, and we look at all this, this span of time, there's a common thread that runs underneath all of it. You see, although there was different people that penned the book, there was one who inspired the writers. Now, if I tell you what to write, and you write it, who's really writing the book? Who's really the author? Well, I am. I told you what to write. So when we see that Scripture is God-breathed, it's each writer, although they wrote different types of literature, different types of ways, God breathed, God spoke, God inspired those people. And so what happens is we have this group of books of the Bible that are all put together. And we have a common thread, we have continuity of thought between all the different books. So there's a prophetic message and there's a fulfillment of the message. There's an understanding of the story of humanity all written out by different people. But we see actually the fingerprints of God on it. Now, why is that important for you and me? Why is it important to know that God is the author of this book? Because if God's the author of the book and God created the world and God gave this as, as something for us, surely it's important. Surely there's truth in it. Surely there's something that would be for my value if I read it. We can take confidence in the Bible being the very word of God. Truth that we can build our lives upon. You see, that's the problem, I think, in the world today is, is truth is a relative term, isn't it? You believe what you believe and I'll believe what I believe and, and somewhere we, we kind of just will, will go on. But where are we basing what is right and wrong? Where are we basing truth, the foundational things of life? You see, even people who don't believe in God, people even in this country that would, would be atheistic. Do you know, our country here was founded on Christian, Christian principles. Our laws, where do they come from? If we go back in history, we've come, they come from the Bible. They come from a, a book. They come from this thing that we see actually there's harmony in the country. There's, there's prosperity in the country when a country actually follows the ways that God intended it to follow. And we see that across the countries that have chosen to use the Bible as, as kind of that truth foundation point. Actually countries tend to go well because there's truth, there's a, 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 a right and a wrong. There's there's clarity that comes to how we live our lives and how we treat one another. And so all of this scripture we have, it says all scripture is God breathed. So from the very beginning to the very end, it's all God breathed. Every book of the Bible is God breathed. Every book of the Bible is inspired by him. But why? The next next part of this verse it says and is useful isn't it great having things that are useful in life? All scripture is useful. You're going to hear this word all a few times. And I want you to say it with me. All. All. Now you got to say it like me. All. 
Oh. Uh. No, you're messing up the, the Canadian English language. It's all. All. Oh. <laughs> yes, we have this discussion at, the, at our table, dinner table with Caleb. We're trying to instruct him in proper English, and somehow he comes out with English English, and so it, it doesn't... Anyways, all Scripture is useful. The, the Bible, as I said, is made up of all of these different passages and is helpful to us in, in various ways. And Paul lists a few of these to Timothy. And the first one, he says, is for teaching. We all need to understand the deeper things of life. What is teaching? Teaching helps us to understand. We all have questions in life. We have big questions in life. What is God's will for my life? Why am I here? How do I love this person who's very unlovable? How do I forgive? What is God really like? Is there life after death? Even just the simple questions of why. Do you know what? The big answers to the big questions are found in here. In fact, the Bible brings this teaching of the heart of God. Now, yes, God can reveal through prayer to listen to his voice, but actually God keeps directing us back to this. He, he actually, this is, this is the, the book in which the Holy Spirit leads us back into because this is where the teaching is. You see, it's the teaching of Scripture that are the building blocks in which we can start to base our life. Because we have understanding. God doesn't want us to live this life where we don't understand what's up from down. But He wants us to know the truth. He wants us to know His, His heart. He wants us to know His plan. But if we don't have the building blocks, if we don't have the teaching, we start to go amiss. And again, these are kind of going back to the basics of our Christianity, of our, our walk with God. We need to have His teaching. And you know what? Can I just tell you? We're never at a point where we know it all. Okay? I know many of you have read through this Bible many times, but I tell you what, there's still stuff there that you've not seen before. Or the Holy Spirit has not revealed to you yet. There's always something here. We're never at a point where you say, Do you know what? I've read it all a few times. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I'm moving on to other books. Do you know what? We keep coming back to this. This is life. This is truth. Now, again, we don't worship this. This isn't God. But if you were to think the creator of the world gave us a book in which we could understand him or better understand him and also understand his way for us, surely we want to be taught from this because it's something of value for us. Brings these building blocks. Then the next part it says is useful for teaching, but this is rebuking. Now, unfortunately, when we look at it in the English language, rebuking is something we would do often for what to one another. I'm going to rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Smack. Actually, if you look at this original word, it's actually conviction. The word brings conviction. And actually, the, first, the only other time we see this in the New Testament is the word that, that, that likens it to uh, being sure or certain of what we don't see in the reference to faith. A certainty. A conviction. Now, rebuking kind of has a slightly different connotation, doesn't it? The Bible's just going to smack me. I don't want to be smacked, so I'm not going to read it. No, actually, the Bible wants to bring conviction in our hearts. And conviction comes in two fronts. Conviction of right and wrong, the things in our lives that are not right. Rebuking can be an external thing. You rebuke me, and I feel bad. 
Conviction is something that goes deep inside of us and says, I, I want to change because that's, uh, that's, that's, that's got me in my heart. I think all of us can have different convictions about different things, right? We, I, we live life based upon conviction. God wants us to not just kind of be tossed here and, here and there with all kinds of different doctrines and thoughts, but He wants us to have a conviction. He wants us to know what His Word is, His truth is. And so Scripture is used to also convict us of sin, right? The things that are not right in our lives. The, the Bible illuminates it. Again, we can look at society, we can look around us, and we think, well, I'm doing okay based upon what I see in other people. But actually, it's the Scripture. When we look at it, the Holy Spirit takes the Word and puts it into our hearts, and suddenly we, we, we see our lives illuminated about, against this backdrop. And we say, actually, you know what? I need to change. Not because someone's telling me to change, not because the pastor's rebuking me, but because the conviction of my spirit says, I, I can't do this anymore. You know, over the years, we had many people come to us sharing things that God has challenged them in. As they've looked in scriptures, the Holy Spirit's led them. And it's required all life-altering changes because the Holy Spirit brought the conviction. We've had people that we're living together and chose not, no longer to live together because they realized, actually, that's not God's best. We're people that, you know, you know, we're, we're addicted to, to various things. And God just challenged them in a moment and realized, I got to stop this. We had one gentleman when we were living in Holland and he came to us one night, um, at a, at a Bible study group and he said, you know what? I just, I just discover I need to stop smoking. And so I'm going to stop smoking. And he stopped. Not because I told him that would be a good idea, but something came alive in Scripture and it challenged him and there was a conviction. And suddenly, I mean, he could have gone through all sorts of counseling or, or help and help, self-help groups, but a deep conviction, he just says, I'm going to stop because it's a conviction now. I can't do it anymore. It's amazing when conviction comes into our hearts where all of a sudden what we could get away with before no longer can we because it eats us up. God wants us to have convictions and the scripture is useful for bringing convictions deep in our hearts. It says the next one is correcting. Now again, you can say rebuking and correcting. It sounds like God just wants to shake us up a bit. But actually, again, if we go a little bit deeper, correcting is actually restoring. The word is restoring. Doesn't it sound a bit different when God says, I want you to have teaching. I want you to grow. I want you to have conviction in your hearts and I want to restore you. That sounds a little bit better than rebuking and correcting and rah. No, actually the word of God is about restoring us. God does, desires not to leave you in the state that we are, but he wants us to restore us into who he created us to be. Again, it's the same thing as this building project. We build it. It doesn't look right. We look to the instructions and like, oh, this piece needs to go there. Oh, I need to re I restore it to the original image in which God created. That happens when we apply the scripture to our lives. We, we start to restore ourselves to the way God intended us to be. There is no other image that we have other than what scripture gives us as to who we really are. When we're in Christ, we're new creations. Something new comes alive in us. But what does that look like? How do we live that out? We need to go back to the book so we can be restored into the image that God has now created us to be. To live it out. 
the principles. You and I, you know, we, we give our lives to Jesus, but that's just a starting point. It's his word that realigns our lives back to his original plan. We can't just come up with this stuff on our own. We need an outside source. And God says, I've given you my word to guide you. Then the fourth thing he says here is a training in righteousness. Learning to live in conformity to God's will. You see, there's also a training element developing us from the inside out. And it requires a certain amount of discipline. Being a disciple is discipline, isn't it? It isn't kind of a feel, do whatever you feel like kind of relationship we have with God. But actually, there's things that God says, in order for you to be this, there's things you're going to need to work on. And that training can be challenging. I know a couple of people here, a few people are training for, to do a marathon. <laughs> Not pointing any fingers. Um, and there's a certain amount of training, right? No pain, no gain, right? There's the training. You're, you're running. You're, you're, you don't just show up game day and run the marathon. You could, but you won't walk the rest of the week. I do know a few people who've tried that. And it's not a good experience. It's a good idea if you're going to run the race. You, you train. And, and God says, you know what? I, I want you to be trained in the things that I call you to be. We are declared righteous in Christ. But we need to be trained in righteousness to live out the righteousness he's now given us. And that means conforming to his patterns, his will, his purposes. And we can only do that by applying his word to our lives. This is all very important. All of this is important so that, it says in the next part, the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, again, going back to our plans and purposes, God has already in store for us. He wants us to be fully equipped for it. And when we look at the basics of life, sometimes, again, we can get caught up in reading all sorts of good books, which, you know, Christian books. I read Christian books. But we can sometimes sidetrack ourselves from actually reading the book. And he, God wants us to be thoroughly equipped so that we're ready for what he has for us today. Many Christians can live lives that are ineffective and unproductive and, and not fulfilling the plans and purposes because they have chosen not to actually equip themselves. You show up to a situation, you have no, no idea. Why do people go to university? So they can be trained to do something. You don't just show up to the hospital saying, I'm going to be a doctor today. Wouldn't that be great, Julian? Just to show up to a hospital and say, I'm going to be a doctor today. I'm going to do open heart surgery. I'm going to learn as I go. I don't think there'll be too many volunteers to be the patient. But you expect a doctor to have gone to training to learn how, how to, to fulfill the purpose. You don't design, you just don't design cars. You, you go to engineering school to, to learn how to design. You, 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 you learn the, the practical so that you can apply it to the situation which you're facing. We live unproductive lives as Christians if we don't know what the scripture says about the circumstances we're facing. And so we go through life going, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Ah. When God says, you know what? I've, I've given you something. I've given you instructions. Read it. <laughs> it seems so basic. Pick up the manual. 
You have no idea what's going on. You don't know what to do. Well, maybe you should just read the instruction book for your life and find out the, the best way. Suddenly, it becomes so clear. Again, I could sit in the operating surgery trying to figure out how to do open heart surgery. But if I did at least 7, 10, 15 years of training, I could look at that same situation and know exactly what to do because I trained myself before that point to face that moment. It doesn't just happen. Anyone who's trained in, in any kind of field knows you don't just happen to be a carpenter. You train to be a carpenter. You don't just happen to be a plumber. You train to be a plumber. You don't just happen to be a Christian. You train to be the Christian God calls you to be. So that you become the effective Christian God calls you to be. And that's why you are IBTI students. Why are you at IBTI? Because you're training to be what God wants you to be. So it comes back to the last point. All scripture. Well, start with all scriptures God breathed. All scripture has a purpose. But lastly, all scripture needs to be learned. If all scripture is useful, then all scripture needs to be learned. There's no way around the fact that all of us need to learn what the Bible says. Don't just base your whole theology upon what I say on a Sunday. What if I got it wrong? I'm going to mess up your lives. You need to know what the scripture says yourself. You can identify. That's not right, Tyler. You're speaking a bunch of rubbish. Because the Bible doesn't say that. Martin Luther, he, he discovered this principle of it's good for people to know it themselves. Beginning of the Reformation is like, you know, we need to have Bibles in our own language. Wouldn't that be fun today to be in church and not understand a lick of what I'm saying? Speaking in Latin. Don't know what he said, but I feel really good. No, 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 no. We need the Bible in our own language, which it is. And we, but we, we, we don't just receive it osmosisly. You know, we don't put it underneath our pillow and sleep on it and it gets in our head. There's, there's an aspect of us having to, to learn it. We need to read it. Or we need to listen to it. And I, I guess just on a very practical note as I finish here, I, I believe our challenge, you know, is in going back to the basics is for each one of us to begin a daily reading plan of the scripture. And you say, oh, but it's so difficult. It's so challenging. I know it is actually. There's parts of the Bible that are very hard to read. Do you know what I do every day? This is, this is what I do every day. I have my bowl of muesli. I have my Bible app. And I read a couple chapters in the Old Testament. Read a chapter in the New Testament as I eat my muesli. But I don't just read it. I let someone help me read it. I listen to it as well. I have some guy who reads it to me. And so even if there's some complex words I don't quite understand, I just let him read it. And you know, there's parts of the Bible that are much easier to listen to than read. There's some parts of the Bible it's easier just to follow along as someone else just kind of works through it. And I just kind of, I listen, I read. And you know what? I do it every day. I just listen and I read and I, I spend that time in Scripture. It's my personal time. I'm not studying for, for, for Bible studies or anything, anything else. I'm just listening and I'm reading. 
We can ask the Holy Spirit to help us as he, 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 he's there to lead us into all truth. Psalm 119, 11 says, this, this, I, I'm hiding your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so we can read. And so I challenge you, if, if you don't read the Bible, to just start. And don't, can I just encourage you not to do this? Now, believe it or not, people do. God speaks to you in that way. But if you're going to learn the book, you can't just read the instructions here, there and everywhere. You've got to kind of be a bit methodical. Read through it. If you've never read through the whole Bible, I encourage you in one year, read through the whole Bible. Go for it. I believe it will change your life if you read it from beginning to end. That's why, though, I encourage you to not just read Old Testament and then into the New, but read a bit of both. Because there's bits of the Old Testament you need Jesus' help. And some of the new as well. Revelation can be a lot of fun. Breakfast with Jesus. Help me, Lord. I encourage you to do it. Join a life group. Life group, study the Bible. How about that? You get to build great relationships and you study the word together. Join the discipleship course. And if you really are hardcore and you said, this year I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to change it, then be part of Global University and really get into it. Yeah! Or IBTI. Or IBTI, join IBTI. But that's not something people can just show up for either. You have to go through a little bit of process. Can I just, I, I know I'm kind of going on a bit here, but God is challenging us to go deeper in His Word. If you want your life sorted, find out what the, the Scripture says. The height and strength of a building is determined by the foundation. And God's word serves as this foundation for our lives that we can build upon. Take your Bible and learn it this year to the next level. Wherever you are at in your Christian walk, can I challenge you? Don't keep doing the same thing you've always done. But make a decision this year. I'm going to step it up a notch. I'm going to learn something new about scripture this year. I'm going to, I'm going to take my Bible reading to another level. I'm going to either read more or I'm going to take what I'm reading. I'm going to go with a concordance. I'm going to really dig into it. But I choose not to just flatline in my Bible reading. For those of you who don't read the Bible, read it. Okay? Just read it. Just start reading it. Start in maybe an easy bit. Just to whet your appetite. Start in Mark and just kind of read it. Read one, one chapter a day. Just start reading through it. But there's no other way around this, guys. You gotta pick it up, dust it off, put it on your, put it on your desk or your, your bed or somewhere you you look at it and just read it. I guarantee you, stuff will start to happen as you start to put this word in your heart. Does it make sense? Are you gonna do it? God knows. He sees when you lie down and when you wake up. He knows when you're doing it. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.